Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Polinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Awesome. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm here with Daniel Pawinski. I am Eduardo Manteca. How's it going, man? It's going well, my guy. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. I was telling Daniel, it feels like a long time ago since we sat down and uh, did this recording with the podcast, even though we just did it last week. And I think partly is because every time I come back to um, the seven steps of alchemy, which is what we're going to continue on uh, this week, I'm like, oh, okay, we we broke it down, you know into every other week. And so I think that might've been the reason, but, uh, but yeah, we're going back onto the seven steps of alchemy. Uh, last week we touched on mission of the soul, uh, or actually I didn't say we touched on, but we discussed what that meant and how to sort of clarify the, uh, definition for ego. Since in the first stage of alchemy, you have calcination, which talks about dissolving the ego. So we want to kind of clarify, what we really were talking about when we were talking about the ego and what it entailed. And so this week we go into step two, which is dissolution. And, uh, you know, just like all episodes, we're going to go ahead and, you know, break that down, have Daniel do it as beautifully as he does and, and sort of really, uh, bring up some examples of what this stage entails. Um, when one finds himself in dissolution, one finds himself in that process of, you know, mixing, uh, in with the solvent or mixing yourself into, uh, this process, you know? Um, and I do find it interesting, you know, water is life and there should only be love in life. And so this process is, is fascinating if you don't just get caught up into it. So we're going to just describe what that means, um, by getting caught up into it. And I'm going to stop right there and give it over to Daniel. Um, and then we'll just go ahead and go on a nice rant about dissolution. I love it. No, great intro, man. I think that's a perfect way. And I, I like how you brought up the aspect of kind of what we spoke about with Hero of the Soul, I mean, Mission of the Soul, because really what we were dealing with there was kind of the distinction again against that true ego right. and the false ego, right? That tyrant king and that false ego that really kind of mistakes the power of that life force energy for itself. Mm -hmm. And we kind of see the narcissistic, childish, selfish tendencies that kind of come from that. And that is what we burn away in the first process of alchemy, right? Which is calcination. We're burning away that false ego. And what we're going to be doing today is we're just going to almost take it to the other hemisphere of the brain. Mm. So that first one is really that left hemisphere. You would call it a solar operation, which would make complete sense because what are we dealing with? We're dealing with the fire of concentration to actually burn away those blocks that are within us internally. And we're burning them away for now. What we're going to do is from that dust that's left over, we're going to find the true essence and we're going to distill it. Put, I mean, sorry, dissolve it through dissolution in the waters of life, like oh, you were saying, you know? Um, so it's really almost a play between the father and the mother, right? The sun and the moon. Question I had for you. Now, is this, um, 
Is this a masculine energy or feminine energy when it comes to the process of dissolution? This is going to be feminine because we're dealing with water, right? So dissolution is going to be dealing with water. And really what we're going to be doing is almost putting it into that womb of rebirth so we can have that birth of the lesser stone after step four. Because remember, the first four steps we're dealing with the elements. So we start with the fire and we move with the water. And then we're going to go to air and earth. Mm -hmm. And we're dealing with the... um, in the, the term of as above, so below, we're dealing in the below, right? Because we're going to go through this process of perfecting the self on this realm, and then we climb that ladder up, and then we make sure we come back down, because that's the whole process of alchemy. You don't just take this spiritual enlightenment and live in the clouds. You take what you learn from the ethers, and you bring it down to earth to spread out, right? Right. So yeah, we're very much dealing with that, that mother aspect. So the goal of dissolution is really to immerse and dissolve that low ego into the waters of unconsciousness. And that's exactly what we were kind of looking at. It's those emotional waters. So it's what the alchemist, when they used to um, hide this in their manuscripts, they would call this the water that does not wet the hands. Mm -hmm. And what they're indicating there is because, again, when people are reading this, it was meant to be like a physical operation. It was only if you were in the know, you knew that this was actually a spiritual process. So when alchemists talk about the water that does not wet the hands, that's the emotional water that's internal in us, right? Those are our moods, our emotions, right? That's why we're controlled by the moon, right? And we're very um, influenced by that aspect. And that's what they were kind of talking about when they talk about that the, wa- the water that does not wet the hands. And you'll see this if you're ever reading ancient alchemist uh, manuscripts. They speak about this. Mm. And really what we're doing is we're we're kind of revealing the most concealed and hidden aspects of the psyche, right? So we're kind of letting go of control um, and really almost kind of allowing ourselves to feel and not hiding from emotions because what we're going to do in this aspect is what we're really handling is in calcination, we break up those blocks, right? We break up those blocks with the fire of concentration, So what happens is we not only have to, not only do we break up those blocks and we need to purify that dust, that dross that's been there to kind of transmute it to a higher aspect. Mm -hmm. What we're finding under those blocks is emotional wounds. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now those calcified blocks were created from a root and the root is an emotional wound. Okay, so what we're really doing now is we're going after the root of the problem. And this is why it's so important to go from the process of calcination to dissolution. And sometimes people just do the process of calcination and they're very good at being able to focus and they're very good at concentrating their minds and they can break up these blocks. But the problem is, is they don't continue into the place of healing the spots, the wounds, Mm -hmm. right? And what happens is those blocks just started collecting dross again because you didn't heal it. So what we're doing is not only are we breaking up the blocks so the energy can flow and the life force can flow, we're taking those healing waters and we're going to actually heal the damaged roots, okay? Those emotional trauma, some emotional trauma that we're aware of that really happened to us, some emotional trauma that was perceived, and some emotional trauma that happened maybe in our foundational years that we're actually not consciously aware of. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're dealing with a lot in the aspect of dissolution. If calcination is all about thoughts, 
dissolution is all about feelings. It's all the feels. It's the moon, right? So it's it's much different than a process where calcination is a very active concentration. This is going to be the dissolution. Like when you get into the like the meditative techniques, this is actually what people are a little bit more familiar with when we speak about meditation because it's not like this concentration like we spoke about with the the roasting of the cinnabar, right? right. Which is that active meditation where you're watching the cinnabar roast and you're collecting that life force that spews out of it this is more of a healing thing this is this is a, this aspect of the alchemist um, meditation is going to feel more natural to most because it's more of a passive emotional being calm with yourself and you almost do this process and we'll kind of get into the actual meditative process in a minute but it's more of like taking those healing waters in and letting them flow through you mm-hmm. and then breathing out what you want to release. So is okay. this why there's there's like an affiliation to sort of the dream and visions and so forth? Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. And when you break up those blocks that were there from calcination, because think about those blocks in calcination, if you've never gone through that process, those blocks have been there for so long, Mm. right? So when you break up those blocks, think about all that life force that was trapped in those blocks. They could have been there for years. And so they're released now into your emotional system. They're going to rise up and your consciousness is not going to become aware of them. And sometimes it's in our waking consciousness, but again, dissolution does really deal with the dreamscape. We're going to start seeing those symbolism. Our dreams can go vivid in this aspect. It could be a very, it could be a very emotionally traumatic, traumatic time as well, because you have to re-experience all these really tough emotional experiences. But also, it could be very euphoric because it could release energy that you forgot that's in your DNA that kind of ties us all together. And there's some beautiful stuff that can kind of come up that's been blocked by that dross of calcination, right? But that's what we're dealing with. So yeah, it's very much in the dream state. It's very much that right brain and that intuition. And we're dealing with the emotion aspects, you know, where the calcination is such more of a physical, physical um, kind of focus. Yeah, right? I like, well, I like what you're saying in regards to, since this is a... Um, more of a feminine energy, you know, you can actually like allow for the time to sort of, you know, let in that emotional um, blockage that was once there, like actually let it flow and let go, you mm-hmm. know? And so that way you can sort of get through the process that you were supposed to go to anyways. Cause like one thing is um, I know that the water helps you to let go, but it also um, releases all those old, um, infrastructures you might've had. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I know that, uh, one thing I, I should have said is it, it's the process of this purification that will continue that we're not out of yet. It's like kind of hard for us to, um, kind of hard for us. There you go, man. Just give Daniel a pen. Um, you might begin to find your ground, but like, it doesn't mean you're out of the woods yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's and that's so important for these entire four, four steps, right? And again, people just do this calcination or they do this dissolution, but if you don't do them in the order and you don't do them side by side, you're only doing half of it. You could do emotional healing, but you're not healing your thoughts. And then the other aspect is you're healing your thoughts, but you're not healing those emotions, right? So that's why people get stuck in a pinball aspect and they don't really kind of make that transition. And it's, it's very, very important in the aspect of really creating that greater stone, the philosopher's stone. We have to kind of continue through this process. And that's, um, that's really what we're going to see. And and again, 
you know, you talk about the releasing of energy and that's exactly what you're doing. What happened is you, you just used concentrate, you just used fire to break up all those blocks. Well, that dross is still in your system. Exactly. So, so what we have to do is now we have to bring that dross up to the surface because it's been in the subconscious. So we are not aware of it. So what we're going to do is through this process, you actually raise that up to put the light of consciousness on it mm. to push out. And we're going to see that in the filtration. But you can start getting rid of this dross. This is why in the aspect of dissolution, you are heavily suggested to have a cry session. Because that's what alchemists used to think that cries were. That's the breaking down of calcified emotions, and it's releasing. And you could see the salt of the earth leaving the eyes. And they felt that that was a very important process. And again, modern-day psychiatry says the same thing. They say, you know, one of yep. the big processes with us as adults that we become so so calcified is because we're taught not to cry, men or women. You know what I mean? It's not just a men thing. Like even females have a trouble, female adults can have trouble crying. And then you wonder why kids are so light. Well, when a kid's having a trauma and it's a problem, they cry it out. That doesn't just build up inside them. But what do we do as adults? We just let that sit inside yeah. us and it becomes calcified, right? So that's what we're seeing. So in this dissolution aspect, it's really important that you bring up those emotions right. to be recognized by consciousness, because if you don't know about it, you can't heal it. Exactly. And that's what's really important, because you have to actually take this through. And one of the processes that you do in this is... Just like in calcination, when you're roasting the cinnabar, you think of a thought that you know, might have been embarrassing. Maybe when somebody took advantage of you, you're not hiding anything. You are reliving it and you're using that fire of concentration to burn that cinnabar to get the trapped life force that's within that that thought pattern mm -hmm. that's been negative. It's the same thing with dissolution. You don't hide from these feelings. Like you pull up the most emotionally traumatic thing that's happened to you that still brings you sadness and you face it right. and you deal with it and you cry it out and you... You feel, you experience all of those emotions because what you're doing is you're putting a light to consciousness to something that you've hidden into the depths of your soul that you did not want to face. So what you're doing is you're facing it, but you're facing it with the loving, nurturing support of the mother. And you know, and even though it's a very painful thing, it's really more of an allegory of the pain that comes with a childbirth, right? Right, Because you're birthing something great out of this as long as you can sustain the pain. right? You will get something that's going to be fall rewarded. And when it happens, you'll always remember like, oh, that was a painful situation, but it's going to be worth its weight in gold a thousand percent. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. This reminds me, is this similar to, and, and forgive my ignorance to any listener, but this is the similar to that as an adult approaching or um, wanting to experience a baptize as an adult when, you know, emotionally you feel ready to let go of so much of that. We'll, we'll say in this case, it's dross and they go and they do it and they come out of the water and they're just like relieved of so much because realistically what they've done is just like let things surface up and then let it wash away. Mm -hmm. But, but I know people have had these kind of religious experiences and some of them don't really understand what they've just allowed themselves to go through. Mm -hmm. Um, they may not even been a religious person mm -hmm. who went through this. Um, is that sort of the same thing when spiritually speaking, I mean, in, internally? Oh, I mean, well, what is the baptism? It's a rebirthing, right. you know what? That's why we do it in the water. Cause that's yeah. where all birth happens is in the water. Right. Right. Um, 
So yeah, that's exactly what we're kind of dealing with in that situation. And so what this is, is it's kind of a uh, an internal baptism, right. you know, and it's happening on those, again, you're baptizing with the water that does not wet the hands. Yeah. And it's that internal aspect. So yeah, that's exactly what they're participating in. But you've even seen that in um, people that are really stressed out and they're just like, I just got to get to the ocean. Like even people that right. aren't spiritual yeah. and they're just like, they've maybe had a traumatic event in their life. Like I just need to get to a body of water. And it's not because they're like, it's toasty outside. I mean, it might be, yeah. but it's, they want that rebirth yeah. of the those waters, especially that salt water yeah. that's so powerful. And that was more to what I was alluding to is that some people unconsciously just walk themselves to a yeah. situation where they're like, I need to just like unrelease or release this buried energy right. or this like energy that's deep within me that's now surfacing and it right. needs to come out and it needs to sort of, you know, let it be. Cause it is fascinating. You're saying that we do, we are taught um, culturally to hold in the tears, to oh, hold yeah. in the emotion, right? you know, until it's probably too much for us to carry around. Yeah. Well, you know, you just thought it's cool that you just brought up these elements. Cause it's really funny when you think about it, because think about it, like you go to the water for rebirth, you go up to the mountains for a higher perspective, right. you go in the forest, the ground, you sit by a fire to burn away thoughts. Right. You know what I mean? And to burn away what's old to create the new. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh, we're always attracted. They are us. Yeah. We are them. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's our familiars. And so they call us home all the time. And yeah. they call us home for a reason, you know, because we need to reconnect with that. We exactly. need to kind of go through that aspect. So, um, yeah. So high five a gnome if you see one. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, I know. And I know that in this stage, there's still is lots um there's still a lot of, of variables that are kind of hard to sort of, um, not decipher, but like to kind of get through in regards to um, fear, you know, the fear, um, the part of your, of yourself that has let go of an identity is still sort of fearful because it doesn't know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. you're kind of not vulnerable, but you're still in a state that, you know, you haven't like I said, you could be somewhat in a process of finding your ground, but not fully. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You know, it's still part of the process. That way you don't get stuck in just that stage of calcination as you're talking about, mm -hmm. where people are just going to go, okay, I kind of did my process, went through a traumatic experience, and that's that. It's like, no, 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 now you've seen it, now you must feel it, mm -hmm. and, and then go on, you know, the rest of the, of the steps. But um, anyways. Well, you know, this is... Again, we're we're not done with the crusade against the lower ego. Right. Okay, it's a jihad. It's a holy world that it's a holy war that is happening internally inside of you at this point. Mm -hmm. Right. So in calcination, what we're doing is that lower ego is very much like almost like a narcissist, almost like a I'm not saying we're all psychopaths, but it has the aspects of psych being a psychopath. It doesn't want you to know that it's a psychopath, right? And I'm not saying everybody's a psychopath that they just have their lower egos veiling. Right. But the aspect that this thing is terrified of being embarrassed, it's terrified of being wrong, and it always wants to maintain its power because it knows it's not the rightful king. So it doesn't feel comfortable in that power, so it's constantly doing stuff to you so you don't see that it's the false king, right? So what calcination was really looking at is that helps us purify our thoughts because when we're going through this process, it controls our thoughts and it mm -hmm. controls our direction, right? And thought leads everything, right? As I think, so I feel, so I act. So it was in control of that. So what we did is we knocked that down 
and we burnt away his power there. And now what we're doing is we're letting the feelings catch up to the thoughts because that's what it's been doing this entire time. That's why these blocks have been able to create it. And that's why more blocks have been created because of these wounds, because it wouldn't let us slow down to think, right? It would not let us slow down. It's always just think, 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 go, go, go. And again, how does our society really push for this calcinide and this dross to build up into us? Think, 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 go, go, go. It's a rat race. And, oh, did you look at your phone? Did you check your Instagram? Did you check your Facebook? And you're like, who checked your Facebook? And you're like, God, never mind. Check your other one. (laughs) You know, but like, that's the aspects that we're looking at. So, you know, really what we're doing in this dissolution is letting the emotions catch up to the thoughts so we can think, feel, act rather than think, think, act. Because that's what the ego, the lower ego, especially if it's controlling the thoughts, it's think, think, act. Like, uh, don't worry about your feelings. Don't worry about that. Just keep going. Oh, you've been hurt? Bury that. Oh, you know what? There's a rug there. Oh, there's a closet there. Bury, bury, bury. Sure. What the problem is, is those wounds, when we just bury them, they don't get healed. So what happens when we attract a dross into our life, it starts to build up in those wounds, like almost like a cave right? And then they get blocked. And then the more that comes there, the harder it gets. And then soon you have a huge energy block and it lowers your energy, lowers your life force, lowers your vitality, lowers your expressions for emotions because even the waters are getting blocked, right? So when you break up these blocks of calcination, you do have the breaking up of a dam. So it is like an overflow of of emotions. So a lot of times dissolution is overwhelming. It's it's a wave. It's like, you know, it's, it's intense. It's intense. Exactly. You know what I mean? But it's such an important process because we're healing the father and then we're healing the mother. Yeah. You know, and it's getting us ready for that rebirth. This stage does offer um, some kind of, uh, well, not some kind, of, some, some kind of, sorry, but it does offer momentum, right? It offers like for us to just kind of keep going. If you understand that this flow, um, it has a direction. It really does. And it's not something that you should really, um, you know, hesitate to be, to be on a journey of, of this like emotional, uh, flow, this emotional, um, stage that you're in can make you feel, like I said, not vulnerable, but to the ego weak, as you're saying, doesn't want to be embarrassed. It doesn't want to be seen as, um, as, as weak and, but it's, it's so good for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As you were just saying, um, Anyways. Well, no, you're, man, you're right. And again, we've used this term a couple times, but that if we don't go through calcination, we are, again, giving life force to Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Right. And we're pushing a life force. All of our life force is going to our personality or that personality that's been created for society. Right. It's not our true self. It's not the true ego. Right. We are animating something that is not us. It might physically look like us, but it's not the true essence of us, right? right? Well, in dissolution, what you're doing in dissolution is you're taking care of the wild emotions that you haven't taken care of. You're killing the werewolf, mm-hmm. right? Who's controlled, who's un- who doesn't have any control over the full, full moon. So when emotions are at their highest, this person has no control and they become a beast. And they are causing damage to the society. They're doing right. the same thing that that Frankenstein did, just in a different aspect. This is emotionally charged. That's like mentally charged. Right. Right. How do you take down the werewolf? The silver bullet. Right. The lunar consciousness. 
the great mother, right? And that, and that is how you actually defeat that. And what are we doing here? We're applying that lunar consciousness. We're by, we're p- applying those the water that does not wet the hands. And again, I'm repeating this because it's a it's a very interesting concept that you kind of has to distill in you, and then you kind of see what we're talking about. But we're using those emotional waters. We're using the rebirth of all life to reborn our life to give that kingdom back to the true king, to the true queen that is just lying dormant inside us. And we're just overthrowing that tyrant as we speak. Right. Right. Yeah. One way or another, it will happen. I always think of uh, the moments that people go through, especially men, but I know that men and women both hold on to their emotions tight, but especially men in their mid fifties to later sixties will weep at any, anything that just, you know, flutters a little bit of that emotional state and they start to just, and they they don't know what to do. Some of them either just let it be. And people realize that their father, uncle, friend, whomever the figure is, has uh, lessened that grip, but uh, it's not always the case. Sometimes some people still hold on and, and you can feel it internally. So I like that when you're talking about uh, and within calcination and the, med- the difference between meditations of one actually having to burn and then the other one to actually have to go into a state of what we're more familiar with when it comes to meditation, which is an emotional um, female aspect to ourselves to sort of forgive ourselves for the day that we didn't intend or the mistakes that we might have made to be pardoned. Um, it takes that sort of other... Um, way of meditating through 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 such emotional upheaval um so i I think it's fascinating that there's that there's different i I think that you're you're doing a really um important thing by describing like why we must continue on versus just stopping at you know um the first stage right yeah no i i completely completely agree man and this is why it was so important to do the seven stages. And this is why the seven days of creation, this is why the seven days of the week, right? you know, the seven musical notes, this is all what this has all been alluding to. And, you know, that's, that's really how you validate so much information as you look for its correspondences. Where have we seen this in history? And then you're like, this comes up in every culture. And you're like, well, yeah. it comes up in every culture. It, it might be important, yeah. you know? And then you start breaking into it and you're like, oh, it's the most important. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it is, it's the process of transformation and as long as we want to actually start changing this world, we know it's an internal process that will be mirrored out into the external, you know? Um, and it's just it's just really so important because, you know, what we're kind of dealing with in this aspect is the tough thing about dissolution is we're dealing with stuff that is in our subconscious. So a lot of this stuff that's going to arise we don't even remember and we don't even know about because we're not consciously aware. So again, this is very much talk. This really much uh, resonates with like Carl Jung's, like the shadow self, mm-hmm. right? Incorporating the shadow. That's exactly what we're doing in this process. That's what he was talking about is because we're bringing the shadow up to the surface, bringing it up to the light of day so we can come consciously aware of it. Right. And then we're going to discard what we don't want. That is, you know, not good. That's not good for the progress of ourselves. And we're going to find those metals that are beneficial, right? And it's very interesting because the metal that we're dealing with in the second part of dissolution is not, it's actually not the moon, like you would think, because the moon is actually the sixth step 
on the alchemical step steps, and then gold is the seventh, right? So even in the first one, when we were talking about the metal that we're actually dealing with, we were dealing with lead, right? Because we're kind of doing the opposite. So we used the sun, that fire energy, to burn up the dross of the lead so we can find the pure metal, mm-hmm. right? So now what we're doing is we're using the dissolution of the water to find that Jupiter, to find that tin, right? And what is that gonna do? Well, Jupiter is all kind of about higher aspirations. Mm-hmm. Jupiter is about, you know, being grateful and being generous and being jolly, right? Well, this is what the emotions that you're gonna try to get, this is what you're picking out. Because remember, the dross is the dross, that's the fake. Right. Right? That's the material. That's the appearance of reality. But what we're doing is we can't forget the idea is that we're mining metals here. So we we got the lead out of the situations, the pure lead, right? And now what we're doing is we're getting that pure the pure Jupiter. And when your emotions are sound and you actually have control of your emotions, you're able to become more generous. You're able to become more jolly because you're happy internally. Right? Mm-hmm. So that it, that happiness comes on the way out. So this is the metals that we're collecting on the way. Yeah. And that's very important because through this, where there's always going to be dross in every step. And what you're doing is like we were just talking about with like the, the 49er, right? Who's yeah. pan mining on the metal. So in that first process, we're looking for lead. And the second process, we're looking for Jupiter. And so why we need to kind of talk about this, and it, it becomes really, this is what we're really going to focus on in the last couple steps is like finding that silver and finding that gold. But the thing is, is, all of these metals add up to the creation of alchemical gold, which is the combination of all these metals, right? Your quantity of metals, though, differs from everybody. So certain, some people to get alchemical gold are going to need to accumulate a little bit more lead. Some people who are um, trying to accumulate gold are going to need more tin then they're going to need lead. Some people are going to need more mercury. Some people are going to need more iron, right? Just like we have an astrological makeup that's almost as complex as our fingerprint and as unique as a fingerprint, it's the same thing with the alchemical process, okay? So we all have a key, right? But my key does not fit your keyhole and your keyhole doesn't fit my keyhole. We have to actually formulate the correct key to unlock that door into higher consciousness. Mm -hmm. So, as we're going through this process and as we're collecting these metals, again, it's a very independent process because I might have to collect more Venus. I might have to correct more, um, why can't I think of the Venus metal right now? Copper, um, than you do in your life to complete you. Because it's all about that completion of making you like that alchemical man or woman. And that's the balancing up all your metals, right? Or maybe you, because you might've already came into the world with a lot of that Venus metal already purified. Okay, so you collect the metal and then you might have to purify it a little bit, but either way, it's that accumulation of metals. But it's such an independent process. The makeup, I should say, the quantity that you need is an independent process, but the actual operation in the seven step process to get your key is the same. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. So, um, it's just one of those things because again, that's something that gets lost on modern alchemists. They don't really understand, um, how the ladder of heaven corresponds with the alchemical process. Mm. Um, and it really, really does because it goes from letter, you know, lead to tin and it makes its way all the way up to gold. And sometimes that gets left out of the conversation. Now, old occultist, that was like their main talking point where new 
new alchemists really are based off of like psychoanalytical information. And they're really talking about the process of freeing up the metal, but they don't really talk about the metal you're freeing up. Right. Does that make sense? So you yeah, yeah. use the moon energies to free up the tin. Right. Okay. It's always like, you know, using the opposite to attract the other. It's very interesting, um, but it's part of the process. So it's just something to kind of cover because we are going to talk about those metals even a little bit more further as we kind of get to the seven. And it really comes important when we're dealing in the celestial with like the silver and the gold and finding those metals. Cool. But that's kind of what we're kind of what we're taking about there. But um, but again, you know, again, this. This idea of dissolution is so important because we have so much that is buried in our own darkness. Mm -hmm. And it's if we don't uncover, it just sits there and it's just going to keep building up dross. Those, those places that we did such hard work to destroy in calcination will just start reaccumulating that dust and it will get hardened and hardened and hardened. And before and we know it again, we have a bunch of, you know, like... Um, intellectual blocks, I guess you could say. And we have emotional blocks, right? And the energy is not moving through. Right, right. And we'll have to start the process all over if we don't continue it. Yeah, I was actually fascinated by reading. Um, and thanks again with the, the distinction between what you're describing within the psychoanalytical uh, information that's out there that describes what this alchemical process is and which uh, what step is relevant to these... Um, you know, discoveries in the last um, century that are easy for us to bring into this conversation, but it goes so much further than that. You know, some of these things that you might find on alchemy are sort of a newer age way of, of breaking down what the philosophy was, but then applying new, newer terms to it that were just discovered again in the last century. Um, so I like that you're going even deeper as to describing, you know, to not rem forget the the metals from what they stem from, or even like the planetary um, correlation to what these steps are, because I feel like that's easy to do. Um, but yeah, I think another thing you, you just brought up that I, I wanted to talk about a little bit was you describing how easy it is to kind of get lost and let it start all over again. Uh, just because you, um, I think that a lot of us see steps as like, okay, if I'm out of one room, now I'm in the next, there's only one way to to keep going, but it's so much more complicated than that. It's like, no, the room that you walked into could be the room you just left last, last time you, mm -hmm. you create that room over and over. You know what I mean? You're changing your immediate environment through these seven steps of the process you're going through, but it's not like you've left one and entered a new one as easily as, you know, like I said, walking into one room and leaving another room behind you make that room. You can remake that room all over again. If you don't, recognize the process that you may be lingering in. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? And I find that a lot in some of the stuff that I end up researching is that they're saying, you know, yeah, you might be connected to deity. You might be connected to a higher source in the process of dissolution because you're letting your guard down. But because you let your guard down, you find yourself in a, let's just say a hobby that is fulfilling that emotional state, but don't get so caught in that hobby that you're just back to being stagnant. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's something that, that I read that some people might do in the, in the stage of dissolution is that they, they find a, a way to connect emotionally to something, but then they mm -hmm. stop right there. And then they kind of hide behind that stage of their life for a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And don't continue the path. So like, is, is that accurate? Do you think that's like something that more or less can happen to 
to people along along this process? Yeah, because you know when it's that releasing of those damning of emotions that have been blocked by that calcified lead, that right. dross of the lead, when that's broken up and we have this wave of emotional energy, yeah, it could be very, you know, emotionally traumatic and there could be a lot of pain. But there's also euphoria that will come with that because you're experiencing emotions again, and especially as adult. That's something that we don't really do. Like it's hard for us to like play. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we can't do that anymore. We don't release and generate those emotions because they're they're calcified within us. So you do get that aspect of getting stuck in that euphoria. And that's why that's why the philosophical understanding is so important to start this process because right. you actually have a goal. It's not just to feel good. No, you you want to take yourself to that spiritual pro, um, consciousness to try to get to Christ consciousness. Right. Like you're trying to climb the ladder to heaven. You're not just going to stop in the game room and be like, oh, but there's a pool table. You know what I mean? Right. Like you might start to feel some emotions again, and that's fantastic, but that's... There, there needs to be that leap of faith that, like, if I'm feeling great now, imagine how great I'm going to feel when I really tap into a universal source and I really start feeling this world. I'm just right. feeling myself for the first time, exactly. but what if I open up these receptors to feel even more? And that's what's going to happen on that process. You know, it's still going to be challenging. It's still going to be a, a challenge. We're never going to say that, that it's not going to happen, um, but you can get stuck. Okay, and we see this, we see this all the time. We call pitching a tent on the mountain to enlightenment. And we, I mean, unfortunately, we see it in some, just some new age movements. Again, there's so much good stuff that's coming out of the new age movement. There's just some stuff that pitches a thing on the mountain. And sometimes they pitch it on calcination. Sometimes they pitch it on dissolution, right? But this is why the alchemical process is time tested because it's like, no, you got to keep going. Exactly. You can't stop here because um, that's not the goal. No, and I, I like that you use the analogy about pitching a tent on the mountain because that's what I was going to say is always remember that whatever it is you do find along the way, whatever stage you're in, that you're trying to add to or get to the aggregate or, you know, be part of the aggregate. You're trying to get to that higher self for everybody, not just I, but for mm -hmm. all of us and and to be part of the oneness that, that we, we come from. Mm -hmm. and. That oneness, as we've talked about this on the podcast before, is found in the things that you do. So if you find that this hobby of yours, let's say playing an instrument, connects you to that oneness, well, like what more, as you're saying, can you do with that feeling and, and let it be something bigger than just like, okay, this one instrument, this one mm -hmm. uh, time that I get to sort of share my talent with others. It's like, no, there's more to that that's within you that should be expanded on uh, along the way. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I like that. I like that analogy. So, yeah, no, man, I think it, I think it's great. And what we're dealing with again in these these four elements is we are, you know, taking out the oppressor, and that's what the dross is. It's the oppressor again. When we got the name Satan, comes from Satan, which is an Islamic word, and it doesn't mean so much the red devil. It just means the oppressor against your higher self. So what we're doing is when we're burning the dross, we're burning away the oppressor. When we're dissolving, we're taking the de the ashes that were the oppressor right. and we're dissolving it in water, just like you dissolve Kool-Aid in water as well. It's the same process. That's the alchemical process we're talking about. Taking the powder that you form through calcination and you're putting it in the water and dissolving it into the water for that rebirth. Okay? So I... um. 
I never want to, because we are students of duality, and I understand because occult students get very upset when you say stuff against like the idea of fighting the devil or fighting Satan because they're like, no, it's a world of duality. Like we need evil to know good. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's not the case, right? but I don't need the oppressor in me. I can see that. Yeah. It's in the universe and that there's a force that's in the universe that has to give us this duality. So we understand it doesn't mean it gets to live in my home. Right. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, you know, brother Ali, this great rapper from Minneapolis, right? He's got a line that says, I kill the devil wherever he resides. Even if he's hiding in me, he's got to die. And I just think that's so powerful. And again, I know some of the cultists are going to get so mad at me for just saying that because they're like, you need the devil to know the light. And like, again, and I understand the whole series and the story and the deep story of the devil, but I'm not denying that that energy does not exist. It just doesn't have to exist in me. Right. Well, it doesn't have to 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 um, lay such a foundation into you or like put its roots into you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. But it's fine that if you, you have it there because, I mean, obviously you need those oppositions and we always talk about walking the middle path. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, one of those oppositions or one of those, um, one of the two doesn't have to if you have a choice, you can choose which one can live in your home. You know what exactly, I mean? and, and you make that choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you make yeah. the choice. You know, and it's it's again, it's just like we understand that there's the you know that polarity of the love and the feel and the and the light and the absence of the light. Like we're not denying that one bit, but it's just we can harvest what we want. It's like if we're going through this alchemical process, we're destroying this dross. We're destroying the mil- the material. Right. And like, yeah, the material world, that's fine. If you want to say like, oh, but this is his world. It's, you know, there's one Lord of the rings and he rules them. It's like, that's fine. Like, that's totally fine. I completely understand that. But, you know, from what we studied in the mission of the soul, I'm not just a physical body. Right. You know, I have an astral brain. You know, I have a spiritual body trying to make my way up to an angelic body, right? Putting right. my resume in, hopefully they accept it. But, you know, but we have this all this process of climbing up that ladder, right? Yeah. But it's just that aspect, you know? So so again, why I bring that up is because some of our listeners have a Christian background, and this is this will resonate with them. You know, that oppressor. You know, a lot of people who came up in more of like a traditional religious study understood that idea of the oppressor. And the oppressor is just what's keeping you down from becoming your best self, right? Like we spoke about it in the beginning, like a sin, that was an archery term, for the amount of angle that missed the bullseye, right? right? That sin curve is that angle, you were off on your bullseye. You either undershot it or you overshot it, right? And you just didn't hit your mark. right? And these are the things that are getting us not to hit our marks. It's these it's these um, mental and it's these emotional blockages. So Absolutely. that's what we're working through. Absolutely. No, I love what you're saying, man. I mean, it's the same idea with having fear and living in fear. It's yes. good to have fear because it keeps you in check in order to live another day to succeed through this process that we're all going through right now. And, you know, if you're fearless, you might find yourself in a situation where you are no more. And then you're pretty much, you know, extinct from from this reality, that is. But living in fear is just as bad because although you're living, sadly, your home is mm-hmm. occupied by that oppressor. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's this, again, this duality is necessary for us to, to have in order to like distinguish between one or the other, but it's also a choice we make to take on that energy 
and either rule us or we use it as a tool in order to maneuver through this. You know what I mean? So, right. yeah. So I hear what you're saying in regards yeah. to to everything. So um, yeah, and you know, and two, you know, one thing that I didn't really we didn't bring up quite yet that's so important in this dissolution process is because this dissolution really is the causality of a lot of those mental blocks that we talked about. Right? This is what causes those calcified dross of the lead blocks that create that we broke down through calcination, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is, is the wounds, when we have these emotional wounds and we don't cut, when we don't actually um, recognize them, not only do the blocks on top of them get bigger, but they go deeper down into our subconscious. Mm -hmm. And so those roots now have the opportunity of sprouting up in other aspects. So this is why it's so hard to take the conscious mind to deal with the emotions and not break up those blocks first, because you're gonna see these blocks kind of sp spurting up into so many places, but it's like a, a it's, it's like when you're ever like, derooting a backyard and you pull up one root and it just starts connecting and you're just pulling it up and you're like, how far, where is the actual root on this, on these branches that are pulling out of the thing? Cause you're not actually at the source of the actual main root. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see the development and the blossom of this terrible, you know, hate and fear blossom up through the emotional core because we didn't heal that wound and it goes deeper and deeper the more you don't pay attention to it right and then it sprouts up and it's hard to actually put a finger of where actually this energy is coming up so that's again why we have to do the calcination first and then we heal the entire land of the dissolution because it's hard to figure out where those roots were because again if it happened in your first three years of life there's a very small chance that you have an active memory of it and again when we talk about psychiatrists Sometimes, you know, through the process that they're taking people through, they will bring up a memory that they were older than three on, but completely blocked out of their mind. This is how you do traumatic brain um, damage to people, like where you actually manipulate them. This is what the whole um, monarch operation was about. You did traumatic brain damage to people through traumatic things that you would do to their mentality that they would block out the entire situation and then you could actually control them because it's such a mental block that they will actually block it out because it was such a traumatic expanse. That's what it is. It's tr trauma-based mind control. And how you do trauma-based mind control is you do such a traumatic event that they actually block it out, but that block is there. And so what the people that do that utilize that is they, they attach words to it. And when they speak that word, you go into that mindset and you actually can be controlled. Right. Right. So, we have these these traumatic events that happen to us that we've even blocked out, Absolutely. right? And then if we don't pay attention to them and they stay hidden under the rug or in the closet, they get deeper and deeper. And then those branches go out into different areas. So it's hard to tell where it's coming from. So again, this is why it's so important to do it in this process of the burning of the fire and then the rebirth in the water because you're really almost rebirthing your entire subconscious in this aspect with the loving energies of the mother. Absolutely. You know? No, it's super well said. I know that people have had their experiences uh, with everything you just mentioned, whether it's with psychedelics or even like a practice such as yoga, where there's the pranayama fire breathing, then there's this meditative state afterwards. And that's just a mimic of everything we're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, But people don't know about it, though. So right. if they do a ceremony, 
you know, whether it's with ayahuasca or even cannabis, sometimes you'll hear people talk about their experiences on cannabis going like, oh, I don't really do that anymore because it just sort of makes me feel bad about myself. And it's like, no, I think what it's doing, in my opinion, is it's allowing you to open up and witness some of those wounds. Maybe they're not as deep, but they're somewhat uh, apparent to you. And sometimes it might not just be the right time and place for you to tap into that. So that's why people are like, hey, you're all right. And you're like, I should have never yelled at my cat that one time. Right. And people are like, wait, what, what are you talking about? You're like, oh, nothing. Like, right. Oh, where'd you go? And it's like, <laughs> emotionally, you know, uh, you will find, you will find probably answers a lot quicker through some such modalities, whether it's a physical one or a uh, mental one in regards to like um, some sort of psychedelic or whatnot but they're all there for the yeah. grabbing if you if you really go deep you know do you remember when we were at your parents your mom's house and we were really jazzed about the little weed plant that you were growing in the backyard oh and then we look out the window and luke's got it in his mouth my dog my <laughs> poor dog oh my gosh i i felt so bad that day yeah i think is uh after we had come back from australia or so, so it was there was a trip in between that yeah I, I don't remember because i left for so long and i came back and i was like oh it's gonna be real big and then i'm like let me show you what it looks like now and luke just met us at the door with it in his like, mouth it's like mouth. he knew it was happening yeah, but like, oh, this that like, dog he went had two the weeks without touching it now and i want to show it off to my friend over here you're like yeah i got <laughs> luke it. was the man he Rest was the man. My friend oh that's so. funny but um but yeah man i think it's you know again we're dealing with the the sun and the moon the mother and the feather, and we're really dealing between those that left side of the neocortex and the right side of the neocortex and going through that alchemical process. So again, it's I think it's really great that we were able to do episodes like the esoteric brain, going through the planets, going through the elements, because we're seeing we're utilizing all these skill sets mm-hmm. in the in this alchemical process, you know. Right. And, and I love how you brought up the aspect of yoga because you're right. Again, we're You've seen these terms before. This isn't new stuff to you. It just might be a different term. So like all of our students of like Eastern Hinduism and esoteric Hinduism and esoteric Buddhism, you will recognize some of this stuff, even if they're not talking about alchemy, because you do see it in the yoga practice very often. But, you know, one of the things is, is really, you know, because we did kind of talk about the roasting of the cinnabar, I do kind of want to talk about the Ban Maria um aspect of meditation and it's very much kind of what we already spoke about and one of the cool aspects about dissolution is which would make sense where we learned the most from dissolution was was from the female alchemist and that's Mm -hmm. what's kind of cool about alchemy when we were even in this really patriarchal society in the west alchemy i mean was kind of illegal so if you were cool and you knew what was going on, it didn't matter if you were a boy or a girl. Like there's some amazing female alchemists, like the individual that kind of came up with the Bain Marie, which is actually a, a scientific tool that we still use. She did a whole recital of the Emerald Tablet and her dialogue. She did the whole thing through the perspective of water. And, you know, as I'm learning more about the influence of the sacred feminine in the mystery school traditions and really what the Rosicrucians and the Rosy Cross meant. And we're going to kind of go into this because there's been some really great research done on the Renaissance and the troubadours and really what they were kind of processing through this aspect and trying to kind of talk about. And I'm really excited to kind of go into that operation, but the alchemist very much that gave us dissolution that really helped break us down were females. And that would make sense because this is such a lunar understanding and they mm-hmm. have it intuitively in them. And they've got that connection to the moon. They've got that connection to the, the menstrual cycle. Right. And they're, 
they experience this aspect. So really what we're doing with the the dissolution meditation is, again, we're quieting our mind. We're not really focusing on any kind of thoughts. And what we're dealing is our breathing in is we almost are imagining that we're taking in warm healing water from the mother. And we're taking that in and we're running it run through our body. And we're Mm -hmm. kind of taking in a deep breath, but we imagine it running through all of our body and almost picking up those wounded emotions, almost picking up the the wounded aspects of ourself and kind of pulling it up to the surface. And then what it does is it heals the surface so it can start to build anew and then takes out all the dross and goes out with the outpost. So the outpush. And you want to just as you breathe in really, really deep and slow, you want to push out really deep and slow. And that's, again, it's a difficult thing and it's going to be a process that you kind of work through. But this is a great meditation to do even if you just went through like an emotionally strenuous thing, maybe you had a fight with a friend, a fight with a family member, and it's like you get in your car and you're about to drive, like do this process a couple of times. And it's it's one of those nice ones that you can do in the moment kind of thing and you can tap into it. But it very much is, again, it's it's a little bit more active. We're not, when we get into the next ones, that's going to be really like air where you really just kind of let the energy prop up. You're really trying to feel the emotions in on this one. And if you do the Ban Maria and you pull up a really painful emotion, don't push it back down. Feel it, go through the whole experience and then let it go. Right. Right. Because we have to witness it. We have to put the light of consciousness to our wounds or they will never heal. Absolutely. Right. And you must purge it out. You must purge it out. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think of the story of the, there's this guy I met in, um, you're talking about like being able to like witness it and then basically purge it out. But I met this guy and uh, I was in Joshua Tree and I was sitting in ceremony. And when we got there, he knew this was my first time. And um, he comes up to me. He's got a big smile. And he looked like the sun. He just had this big, big personality. And he's like, "My name is Paragon. What's yours?" And I said, "Oh, my name's uh, my name's Eddie." And he's like, "Hey, nice to meet you, Eddie." He's like, "Why are you here?" And I start to tell him why I'm there, and 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 he he listens like just so intently. And it was great. And I said, "Well, why are you here?" And he describes to me about how he was feeling ill. Uh, three years prior and didn't know know why. And he was working for the University of uh, California and he ended up getting some labs done and they find out that he has um, basically a terminal cancer. And so he he doesn't tell his family. His daughter was pregnant with what is now his granddaughter. And he says, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do, but I knew that emotionally I couldn't process it enough to really get a grip on it. So I came out here to to the desert and he said he sat in ceremony. He never sat in ceremony before. And when you sit in ceremony, uh, and I don't really talk too much about ceremony, but I am right now um, a little bit. My understanding is, you know, you can, depending on who you're participating with and and, and who the um, the healers are, you can choose to take as much as you need to take. And he ended up just taking all that he that he could take. And I'm talking about ayahuasca for, for context sake here, but he ends up going through it and he didn't come back until the next morning. And, and he says he, he found himself above anywhere he's ever been in space and time. And he saw a female and he said, I'd never seen this female, but I knew her. And I knew that I was either dreaming or hallucinating. I wasn't fighting it. So, but I wasn't like an, and also in this 
state of, of just awe where I can't control myself. And all she did is point at my chest and I just didn't know what she meant because she wasn't speaking. So I look at my chest and I see this sort of like block, this sort of like, you know, sort of what we're speaking about in the process of calcination. But internally he said, I see this thing kind of coming out of me and I just grab onto it and I start pulling. And he said he pulled and then he pulled and then he pulled and all of this black stuff would leave his body. And he said he did that the whole time until he was returned back to his body. He said, as soon as I was done with one portion of my body, I was moved. I was asked by her to move to another. He said, uh, fast forward two months after I end up going to get more tests done. And one doctor turns into three doctors, turns into four doctors from the university walking into my room saying, whatever we found that was cancerous is no longer in your body. So you can't go home yet because we have to run a lot of tests because this is unheard of. And he's just crying as he's telling me the story. But he was also just like, uh, not surprised. You know, he, he just, they were like, what happened? What's changed? What's, and he just said, you know, I just really needed to take care of things that I never did that were so embedded in me. And and so that's his story. I'm not saying that that's something that <laughs> is going to happen to anyone or and everyone, but it's interesting that it all falls along the same conversations we're having here about mm-hmm. whether or not you use uh, uh, a form of, of meditation or, again, some kind of uh, hallucinogenic or something that aids you. But I do find it very interesting that these things that are found within reach for us as human beings are there for us to sort of go through these processes or at least aid us in the process. So, but yeah, I'll never forget when that happened. And then five hours later, I found myself in similar position as him. And I was like, oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) That's a great, that's amazing, man. Paragon, dude. Paragon. Uh, Good guy. But uh, but yeah, so it's very real, man. If if we don't take care of these things, I don't know what they will um, turn into, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, that was fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, so dissolution, I mean, I love that we're, we're still going through this process and, you know, there are, um, five more to go and two more to go within the elements, right? Yeah. So we'll be taking air next. So that, that's going to be really great. And it's going to really kind of help us see how we kind of filter out the stuff that needs to come out. And it's also, it's a beautiful process too. And again, it's going to take a little bit more abstract because the first two, are, we're a little bit more comfortable with that process because we do these processes of the breaking down of the mental and the, the breaking down of the emotions quite often, but never really in this order and never really in this determination to keep it going. Right, right. right. You know, because it's all about getting that onward going on right now. Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. So we got separation next, right? Yes. And um, But next week we'll, we'll end up, like I said, breaking up these seven stages uh, every other week. So we'll, right. we'll, we'll end up coming up with a a different topic that will allude to most of what we discuss in dissolution and still within calcination. So that way we keep the sort of this information going um, and, and hopefully delivering it straightforward as we do our best to do that um, with all of this, this stuff. But I do, I love that you brought up, I had no idea about the history with female alchemists. That makes Oh yeah. Oh, and the mystery schools, like there's, if there was a mystery school that didn't allow females there was a corresponding mystery school, okay? And we have to really start to understand, too, that the, the, if we go back down to prehistory, like, mystery schools were probably more of a maternal thing. Like, we had these 
these women shaman leaders. And there was just such an energy that kind of comes with the female. And that's so important. And I think part of our esoteric experience now is again, taking again, the left, the masculine and the sacred feminine, but it's such a, it's such a powerful thing, but there's a whole study that I'm reading right now that I'm really excited to break down for you guys when I get a little bit better of a grasp on it, but it really kind of paints the picture of just how deep this goes back. So they've always been a part of it. And again, like the, that organization that we spoke about last week, the Brotherhood of the Light, mm-hmm. they they claim that they can tie their roots all the way back to Egypt, right? They, they feel that they've got like a school that goes all the way back to that time. And what actually separated them from like the ancient Freemasons was the Brotherhood of Light always allowed women in. And it was actually like compared, combined Whoa. together, which is really fantastic, you know? Um, and again, it, it's so important too. And we, and I was just having this conversation with Johnny you know, it's so important to have a male and a female teacher and having male and female voices in your out in your esoteric understandings. Really push to if you're reading a lot of females, push to read some more males. If you're reading a lot of males, push to read some females. And again, it's if there there could be somebody who's a male that kind of speaks through that female outlet and there could be a female that kind of speaks through a male. I'm just talking about the energies, like not talking so much about the gender the physical gender i'm talking about like the energy that they're presenting you know and what they're what they're speaking through but it's just so important to get both aspects of it right. the left and the right hand path and understanding you know really what kind of comes with that and i really think as we kind of grow this organization the goal is you know as we grow and we really try to make more of an online school that we get some female teachers in here that can really help open up that right side of the brain for us, you know, and kind of get more people together. And then we're just planning on being traveling gypsies coming to a town next to near you. I love it, man. It's going to be the best. It is. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, well, I have nothing else to add unless you do. Um, no, I think we're pretty good on this one. Cool, man. Well then, uh, until next time. Until next time. All right. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Not only does it give us the energy we need, it also gives us an opportunity to make a positive environmental impact. Earthling Food Company originated from the simple truth that what is good for the body is good for the planet. They create delicious, plant-based food that lifts us up rather than weighs us down. That's right, you will never find preservatives, refined sugar, oil, animal products, gluten, or any other crap that is environmentally destructive. Only the good stuff. Would you like a hearty granola that is both delicious and healthy? What what about uh, something with zero cholesterol or an alternative to scrambled eggs? Earthly Food Company has you covered. They are a brand new husband and wife startup, so check back regularly for new products. Greg and Jen have been listeners and supporters of the Know Thyself podcast since our very first episode. We first collected on a philosophical conversation, and then through the conversation learned about this really exciting new project that they were creating, which is a organic, amazing granola that they want to share with all the listeners of our community. Artisan granola and seasoning make a great holiday gift. Visit earthlingfood.company. That's earthlingfood.company. Did you say earthlingfood.company? That's exactly what I said. To order online and use the discount code KNOWTHYSELF, that's one word, KNOWTHYSELF, for 15% off your purchase. 
They're also offering uh, free shipping on orders over $70. So, uh, you know, order online today. I would do it like right now. <laughs>